Welcome to another edition of Big City Catholics, our diocesan podcast with Bishop Robert Brennan, the diocesan bishop of Brooklyn, and myself, Father Christopher Henu, here as the rector of the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph. A beautiful week indeed in this month of February. We'll begin our podcast as we do all things in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Asking the Holy Spirit's intercession upon us, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew Renew the the face face of the earth. earth. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We've uh, had a, a really busy week this past week with you after our last podcast, you were talking about the Mass that you were going to celebrate, Bishop, in Rockville Center, your home diocese, yes. for the Mass of Catholics of African Ancestry. How did that go? It went very, very well. It was really quite a blessing because people ask me that, oh, how, how do you feel being home, being in, in the place where I was ordained a priest, ordained a, a bishop? And I said, you know what? You know what makes this home? It's a special place to me. But the people I love from Nassau and Suffolk and the people who I love from Brooklyn and Queens were all gathered together. That's what makes it home. That was four counties. By, four counties, but surrounded by the people we love, sure. by our family, our family in Christ. So it really was a, a great opportunity. You know, the reason I actually said the Mass, I was going all along because it's a Brooklyn, Queens, Rockville Center, a shared event. But Bishop Barris, who would have been the principal celebrant, was in Ukraine. He was making oh, a pastoral wow. visit to Ukraine, accompanying Archbishop Boris Gudziak, who had invited bishops to come. So I'm really very proud of him for making that visit. And, you know, we're coming up on a year since the invasion of Russia into Ukraine, and we pray for peace. And it was still horrified by the news. Sometimes we become a little desensitized to the news. I mean, you know, the same things that were happening a year ago are still happening today. Absolutely. It's true in all aspects of life. So I think, you know, you ride this the train here in the city and you can become desensitized to just seeing the homeless and the poor amongst us. We must fight against that as Catholics, certainly. Be always sensitive, to be always aware. Jesus uses the word vigilant, to be always vigilant. Yeah. So that's true. So we pray for the people of Ukraine in these horrible, horrible times. But, you know, we're praying for the people in Turkey and Syria Mm. after that horrible earthquake and we're hearing over 25,000 perished and it's still going to continue to rise and then I'm very glad that our diocese is going to be working with Catholic Near East Welfare Association headed by one of our own priests um, Father Monsignor Peter Vacari so we'll be doing what we can to assist with material help and we continue to pray there but I'm also concerned about persecution in the church back in January Bishop Silvio Baez, an auxiliary bishop from Nicaragua, was here, and he gave the retreat to the Hispanic priest. He celebrated Mass at St. Bridget's in Ridgewood as a prayer for the people of Nicaragua. I had the chance to have dinner with him. He was a fascinating person, a very good person. And he's been living in something like an exile here in the United States. The Holy Father actually asked him to leave Nicaragua because there was a bounty on his head. And so he's been here teaching at the seminary in Boynton Beach. But just last week, his own bishop, who had been under house arrest since the summer, was actually arrested and in a very quick trial, sentenced to 26 years in prison. And what's chilling is the charge. I mean, there's there's not even the pretension of trumped up charges. The charge is for spreading false information. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the dignity of the human person. It's called false information. And one of the things that makes it chilling, I'm going to be very blunt here, is when we start hearing that kind of chatter on both sides of the aisle, both parties, it's chilling. Sometimes here, it's directed against religious voices. It's a scary thing. So I'm horrified by what happened to Bishop Rolando in Nicaragua. I think 222 people were exiled, literally exiled, put on a plane, stripped of their citizenship, and sent out of the country. A number of them are priests and seminarians. The bishop refused to board the plane, and so he's charged and imprisoned. So we stand with the people of Nicaragua, but people who were persecuted for their faith, not only Catholic faith, Christian faith, people who are persecuted faith all around the world. Modern-day, absolute modern-day martyrs. And Mm -hmm. how can we, Bishop, you know, as a people here in New York City or outside of Nicaragua, certainly, how can we be of support to the people of Nicaragua? Well, sometimes we look on prayer as sort of like, uh, you know, the thing that quells us, makes us feel like we're doing something. But the fact of the matter is, we can't underestimate the power of prayer. That is something that every one of us can do and needs to do. We need to pray. But we need always, again, going back to that issue of being desensitized, we need to be vigilant. We need to stay on top of what's happening on the attacks on religious freedom all around the world. We need to be vigilant to attacks on human dignity all around the world. Two weeks ago, we had a conversation about racism. Sometimes we see some of the total disregard for human life, whether it be at the beginning or end of life, or some of the violence we see in our cities or really all around the country. And I think we need to be grateful for the freedom which is built into our Constitution, but also somewhat protective of it. Sometimes we may need to stand up for somebody else's freedom. You know, religious freedom is not self-referential. I've heard it referred that way. It's actually standing up for the freedom of other people, maybe people with whom we disagree. Absolutely. There, there was an article recently in the tablet about ranking the states of the United States as to which is the most free in terms of religious freedom and those which are the most restrictive or, I guess, has the worst ranking amongst the religiously free. New York had the lowest ranking of religious freedom. And and so your point of staying vigilant means that we have to fight against any, albeit small or large, attacks on our religious freedom or religious freedom around the world. And I'm grateful, you know, I I heard from Bishop Baez this week, and I heard him preach. He preaches every Sunday from St. Agatha's in Miami, Florida. He himself is very grateful for the prayers of the Holy Father. On Sunday in his Angelus address, Pope Francis addressed this crisis and offered his support to Bishop Rolando, but also he called on us to pray. So prayer is an important part. And then, you know, there may be a time when there are things, the church in the United States, especially with church people, where we might be able to be of some more concrete assistance, but that still needs to be known. We, we need to know what the needs are before we can respond with uh, concrete help. But for now... Prayer. prayer and vigilance is so important. Your point of the the chilling charge is something I think we really should delve into a little more because, you know, this idea of spreading false information, when this begins to occur and these, these charges begin to be made up, really, we're heading down a very, very scary path. And in this case, you know, the Ortega government, it's basically just any voice of dissent becomes false False information. information. Yeah. So, so anyway, we're coming off of a 
full weekend. We also closed this week marriage week, but we're going into a very full week. That's right. Wednesday the 22nd begins the season of Lent, Ash Wednesday. My favorite, it'd be uh, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. <laughs> but uh, but, um, but we, we enter in. And, you know, I feel like I have been able to preach these last few weekends, helping people to say, okay, we have a week and a half left before Lent. Okay, we have three days left before Lent. You know, so that when we enter into the season of Lent, we're not entering into it like a cold, you know, that we're prepared for. And we're not just going to give up chocolate because we want to look good in the summertime or want to lose a few pounds, you know. What are we going to do to grow in that relationship with Jesus? You know, in a certain sense, we've been a little bit well prepared by the cycle of readings and the timing of Ash Wednesday. I talk about Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, and I often liken Corinth to modern-day New York City, particularly Brooklyn and Queens, because all the world passed through Corinth and all the world passes through here. And so it had the best that society has to offer, but it also had the worst And so Paul addresses some of the ways that that worst of the society entered into the life of the early church, just 30 years after the time of Jesus. Mm. And Paul focuses in, in his letter to the Corinthians, in these first chapters, on the wisdom of God as opposed to the wisdom of the age. Mm -hmm. We'll hear this weekend on Sunday, you belong to Christ. You belong to Christ. So rejoice in that. And then, of course, we've been hearing from the Lord himself, God comes to speak his wisdom to us directly, not through a messenger, but directly. And what does God talk about? The Beatitudes, and then going that extra mile. The readings coming up this weekend kind of close that section of the Sermon on the Mount, but present us with a real challenge to go beyond the letter of the law, to take on the spirit of the gospel, the spirit of Christ. You know, Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. I thought it was interesting in, in your Sunday reflection video from this past Sunday, you brought up that idea of when, if you come to the altar, at, basically, if you've traveled all this way to Jerusalem with your offering, your goat, your ox, whatever it might have been, you know, leave it. Like, what a, what a crazy request, but that is the extra mile. That is really taking something to, to the next level, pushing us to the next level. And the thing is that God doesn't ask anything of us that he himself either has not done or will not do for us. And when we turn our eyes during the season of Lent to the cross of Jesus Christ, we see that God really does go the extra mile. Do you have any particular practices that you do personally through the season of Lent? Uh, There are different things that I do uh, year to year. It's hard to give up sweets right now during Lent because I've given them up altogether. (laughs) (laughs) Your diet is like a lifelong Lent. (laughs) So, but I I do try to, to be a little bit more abstemious for one thing, but prayerfully, yes. You know, there are certain devotions like the Stations of the Cross that I'll take up both personally and publicly. And sometimes there is a book George Weigel wrote a couple of years ago about the station churches Mm -hmm. in in Rome. But it's that whole idea of pilgrimage. And I usually pick that up and read. There's a piece for each Each day and each church. And it's really the idea of pilgrimage. And so it takes up the idea during Lent, the Office of Readings focuses in on the pilgrimage, the journey of the Jewish people from slavery to the promised land. So that idea of pilgrimage... We, too, are on a 40-day pilgrimage, a spiritual pilgrimage. And this year, we're going to do that, as you heard last week in the podcast, 
through an actual pilgrimage around the diocese. So I hope to make that a part of my Lenten spirituality, the idea of pilgrimage, but walking with one another all together, walking with Christ. I'm hoping to bring that into my Lenten experience as well this year. And we're hoping here on, on a parish level to have different seminars, different opportunities to kind of grow in in the knowledge and, and love of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also utilizing some of the great resources that are out there formed from the Augustine Institute and other great sources that are there for people to walk in this path and walk this, this journey for Lent. So I hope it's a, a prayerful Lent for, for all of our, our listeners and for the faithful of the diocese. And so that when we come out of it in, at Easter time, we're all a holier people, please right. God. You know, at least more conscious of the fact that God is walking with us. Yeah. Now, for people who are listening, the idea of choosing a Lenten practice, it's vast. You could choose to go to Mass more often during the week. You might want to choose to listen to things either in podcast or through form that are more edifying. Prayer, the Rosary, the Stations of the Cross, reading the Gospel— I'm a big one to promote reading the gospel. And this year we're reading from Matthew's Gospel liturgically. You might choose that. Or you might choose Mark. Mark is rather short and rather direct. I, and I often recommend to people, just read a little piece of it. Often the Bible will have a heading in italics and then maybe a paragraph or two yeah. and then a heading in italics. You know, those are usually marked like the daily readings. Maybe it's the daily readings that you want to read. But focus in on the gospel. Why? simply to grow in your friendship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just talk to him. I tease with the young people. I say, you know, it's like Jesus' daily post. <laughs> the gospel, if you read those in small doses, it's like Jesus' daily <laughs> social media post. We're used to doing that. We're used to focusing in on short messages from friends. This is a short message from a friend sharing yeah. his day with us. So my advice, if I could be so bold, if you're trying to think of what you want to do for Lent, is... Do what you can, not what you can't. Pick something simple and achievable. Wow. Yeah, I gave a, a whole list of things. Don't do them all because <laughs> you'll do them all for a day or two. But something simple and something achievable. If you can't see yourself saying the rosary every day, maybe do a decade. If you can't see yourself going to Mass every day, read the Gospel. Or if you're already doing some of those things, then just, again, focus on Jesus. That that would be my strong, strong advice for Lent, to focus on Jesus Christ. A great idea, certainly a great suggestion for the season of Lent is also to be reconciled with God, and what a blessing that is. Always, we, and we'll talk more as the, when the season comes closer to an end, we have the Reconciliation Monday, of course, in the diocese and around New York, but uh, reconciliation plays a huge part. Indeed. In fact, the second reading on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, is that idea of be reconciled to God. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. As human beings, this is what I love about Lent. As human beings, we all have great desires, but sometimes it's just hard to get started, whether it be a diet or an exercise program or even dealing with certain kinds of addictions or habits. We have the best of desires, but oh man, it's hard to get it going. But once you get it going, you sort of feel good, don't you? That's right. Once you get it going, you so it, not that it gets easier, but you almost look forward to doing what you have to do. Well, that's true of us spiritually, too, being reconciled to God and one another. Yeah, i got to get around to that. One of the things I love about Lent 
is we don't choose our own Ash Wednesday. It's something we do together. Mm. It comes upon us. I mean, all of a sudden, here we are, and we just celebrated Christmas, and oh boy. Yeah, we're, all, we're entering in. We're stepping into yeah. Lent. And you think, boy, did that baby grow up fast. <laughs> 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 so um, we're moving right into the season of Lent. And again, it's not because I've decided it's time for me to get serious about my spiritual life. It's because the church together is saying, let's get serious about the spiritual life. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. And when people take that opportunity to come to reconciliation, they're going to hear if they've been paying attention. And that sacrament is such a beautiful sacrament, but even as many times as you go to the sacrament of reconciliation, you can still feel nervous and it's such a beautiful relief of our sins and reception of God's forgiveness and, and his pardon. But um, recently, Bishop, the United States bishops voted in favor of a new translation of the prayer of absolutions. Right. Now, this is homework for our priests, right? That's right. So you could say, oh, there they go again. Well, actually, this is part of a larger project. So back in 2011, the new missal was approved, and this is really getting some of the, the prayers in the sacraments and devotional life in line with those translations. Mm. So it's a very, very simple change. It's in the words of absolution, but it's not in the part that for the validity of the sacrament. So basically the main word is through the death and resurrection of his son has reconciled the world to himself and has poured out the Holy Spirit upon us, right? Yep. Instead of saying has sent the Holy Spirit, has poured oh, out the Holy Lord. Spirit. For the forgiveness. That, that verb to pour out is a more accurate translation of the original Latin. It also, it gives a fuller image. You know, God doesn't send the Holy Spirit the way you send somebody on an errand or the way you send something in the mail. God pours out. It's a bestowing. It's, it, there's something far more generous in there that's conveyed in this language. And it really does conform more closely to some of the other languages. So in Spanish, we hear the verb derramo. It's not he sends. It's not envio or mandar. It's he pours out the Holy Spirit upon us lavishly, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the main change, that he pours out the Holy Spirit. And that minor change just fills in the language. The words, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Those are the words that are essential, that don't change so please be at ease if you're reading articles about changes in confession and, and don't be alarmed about what you have to do. You mentioned this homework for the priest. I often find that one of the reasons sometimes that people put off going to confession is they'll say, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. And we're talking about the so-called new rite of penance that goes back to the 70s. <laughs> sometimes we make simple things very complicated. Mm -hmm meaning us in, in leadership, I'm yeah. sorry. So so it's very, very simple about going to confession. Just go. Yeah, it doesn't change the penitent's role. <laughs> and, and and even in terms of the so-called new if you don't know what to say, just say, I don't know what to say, or just go, you know, technically, really all you have to do is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen, the priest greets you that way, and then say, Father, it's been how long since my last confession, and these are my sins. That will suffice. And if you're not sure the priest will lead you, that's his job. That's his job. So please don't say, oh, no, now there's something new and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Believe me, your job is the same. 
Go and be sorry. That's, <laughs> That's right. it. <laughs> be reconciled. Be reconciled. Amen. Amen. Now is the acceptable time. So I hope it's a fruitful Lent for all of us. I, I hope that it's a time of grace and renewal, a time that we might grow in our friendship with Christ. And going back to how we started, by growing in that friendship with Christ, that we might be more sensitive, mm. more aware of the needs of the world around us, of the needs of the people who happen to be very, very close to us. Sometimes the people who are very close to us are crying out for attention or mercy. So perhaps this season of grace might awaken within us that renewed sensitivity. Amen. Bishop, I think that leads us perfectly into a a closing prayer and, and your blessing, please. Lord God, we ask you to bless us as this holy season dawns upon us, that indeed we might be reconciled to you and to one another and draw joy in being close to you in friendship. We ask your blessing upon all of us, on our families and on our church and on all those who are suffering in our community and throughout the world. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. I hope you have a blessed season of Lent as well. Thanks to all who are joining us on this new edition of Big City Catholics, our Dastan podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. God bless. Thank you.